Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. And on this week's episode, we are going to be looking at the Boston Celtics and how their offseason has gone. And we are going to be looking at the moves they made, the draft picks, whether or not Danny Ainge has been successful as a general manager for the Boston Celtics and what's going on with Hayward and everything going on with the Celtics. So let's go from the beginning. The Celtics lost in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Miami Heat. And there were two things that were made apparent. The first one is the fact that the Celtics did not have a dominant big man to guard Bam Adebayo and most likely wouldn't have been able to guard Anthony Davis if they made it to the finals. When you look at what the Celtics had, Daniel Tice was 6'8". He was their uh, best player at the center position, and he still um, you know, was undersized. You had Ennis Cantor, Robert Williams, and Vincent Poirier, who, all of which were normal, you know, six, ten or taller bigs. Although Robert Williams is a little bit shorter, but Poirier and Cantor were bigs, who were like bigs, uh, but they couldn't do anything. They're not that good, um, and so the Celtics were outmatched in that department, and the Celtics were outmatched. Scoring-wise, because you had Kendrick Nunn, Gordon Drogic, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Jay Crowder, and the Celtics couldn't keep, keep up with all of that. Plus, Iguodala was there, and he's a great defender. So, the Celtics lost um, pretty convincingly. And they had struggles against Toronto. Toronto had Gasol, Ibaka, and Siakam, who were all great defensive, well, maybe not Siakam, but... Gasol, Ibaka were great defensive bigs, and Siakam's great offensively, and there was issues there. Um, Philadelphia had a ton of bigs, but their thing was they just weren't great overall. They didn't have good point guards, they didn't have a good starting lineup, and so the Celtics breezed through Philly because of that. They had trouble with Toronto because of the fact that Toronto had some bigs who really could take advantage of the Celtics down low. The Celtics had wings, which was their advantage against Toronto, but Miami has just as good wings. Maybe um, not as good as Tatum, although Jimmy Butler is um, top tier. Uh, But, you know, they had a good team surrounding them, and the Celtics couldn't get um, anything going. So we go into the offseason with the Celtics' big man position being um, some sort of an issue. Also, you know, depth on the roster, which was an issue against Miami. Um, Miami had a lot of good role players. Celtics didn't have as many. And so for the Celtics, those were the two sort of uh, things they had to address in free agency. So they had a lot of players who their contract situations were being discussed. And one of those was Gordon Hayward. The Celtics had three first round draft picks and there were rumors flying about pretty much anything and everything involving the Celtics and what they might do. And many of those rumors were about Hayward and Miles Turner trades, and then eventually Hayward and Drew Holiday trades. And we saw everything from the Celtics trading Marcus Smart in the, in the 14th pick for the second overall pick from Golden State. We've seen rumors about the Celtics going after Victor Oladipo and Miles Turner. We saw rumors about the Celtics going after Drew Holiday 
And when Drew Holiday went to Milwaukee for three first-round picks and two pick swaps, we found out the Celtics had offered something, which was Gordon Hayward, and um, I think it was a first-round pick. I don't know what else was offered, but that's what um, the rumors said. The Celtics' offer was not nearly as good, and the Celtics lost out on Drew Holiday. So um, the Celtics, um, at this point, had three draft picks going into the draft, Everyone said, okay, they're going to, you know, move up. They tried to move up. They tried to make trades. But as we learned later on, Danny Ainge said it was all pretty much quiet and there wasn't much going on on his side of things. And they had three draft picks. They traded one to Memphis for some second-round picks. And then they drafted Aaron Nesmith, who is arguably the best shooter in the draft. And then they drafted a maybe a surprise with Peyton Pritchard, point guard from Oregon which he is a great three-point shooter as well. And I can't complain about the draft picks, and neither can really anyone, because the Celtics upgraded at the small forward position, and they got shooting, which is what they needed, three-point shooting, which is what they needed, and Pritchard can be your backup point guard of the future. As long as Kemba's there, Pritchard will never be a starter long-term. He can be a backup point guard who gets good minutes and... Yeah, the Celtics, I think, knocked it out of the park with those two. Um, maybe they could have got a big man with one of their two draft choices, but, I mean, I can't really complain. Trading the 30th overall pick was uneventful, and the overall draft situation was uneventful, but they did um, upgrade with their picks, and so I can't complain. Then we go into free agency, and all of the players are moving around. Atlanta's making moves. OKC's trading their whole team. And then the Celtics have Gordon Hayward's situation, where there were inklings uh, weeks before that he might opt out. And a lot of people thought, yeah, he's not going to opt out. There's not a lot of money. The cap is uh, kind of low. There's not much he can do. And it turns out he did want to leave, or at least he wanted to opt out. Um, and that's what ended up happening. We didn't know at the time if the Celtics were off the table or if it was just he won a long-term contract, and if Boston was the team, that's the team. Now, some of the reasons why um, he might have wanted to leave, besides the max contract or the multi-year contract, uh, one of them, uh, I was listening to the radio, and the uh, announcers were talking about it, Gordon Hayward has a great relationship with Brad Stevens, and it's more than just friends. And maybe some people in the Celtics organization and the players think that's a little unfair. And Gordon Hayward may have played a little bit more than he should have um, last season or the year before. And maybe some of these Celtics players were upset about that, that here's someone who's been injured for however many games, comes back and gets more minutes, and I've been playing the whole season. So maybe Gordon Hayward felt like a little awkward situation where he's getting blamed for the fact that he's getting more minutes than some of these other guys. I mean, granted, Gordon Hayward makes 30 whatever million, 28, 30 million, and he should be getting a lot of minutes because you're paying him that much, and he's hopefully trying to prove his contract worth. He was an all-star. But some people might have felt like maybe he didn't deserve those minutes. And so maybe Hayward felt like it was a little awkward situation because people think, you know, Brad Stevens is my friend and we college coach, um, he's going to give me a little bit more of an edge. And they might see that as kind of playing favorites, teacher's pet sort of thing. So maybe that's one of the reasons he, he wanted to leave because he wanted to blaze his own path and not have to worry about people thinking of him as Brad Stevens, you know, friend or whatever. 
maybe he just wanted a change in scenery. And uh, at this point, we didn't know what he was going to do. He opted out and kind of there were a lot of questions going on. So we kind of got no inkling on where he was going. And then we got the rumors about Indiana. And there were rumors out there that Gordon Hayward could go to Indiana and that was his preferred destination, meaning that Gordon Hayward was going to go to Indiana for something. And the proposed offer that uh, Indiana had thrown out was Miles Turner and Doug McDermott for Gordon Hayward. Now, on paper, that's pretty solid. The Celtics get a center, which is what they needed. They get a wing who can come off the bench. If you have Smart in the starting lineup, Kemba, Smart, Tatum, Brown, Miles Turner with Doug McDermott off the bench is not awful. But it seemed like at first the Celtics wanted Victor Oladipo along with Miles Turner or TJ Warren along with Miles Turner. And that was not going to fly in um, the Pacers' eyes. But then it was revealed later on that it was Miles Turner they didn't want. And they wanted Oladipo or TJ Warren instead of Miles Turner, which maybe is something Indiana didn't want to do. They're fine getting rid of Turner because they have Sabonis, but maybe they don't want to get rid of Oladipo. Maybe they feel like he can be an all-star level guy again, and they don't think Hayward's worth it. And maybe what the Celtics were trying to offer was just Hayward straight up for something, Oladipo or TJ Warren, and maybe that's not what the uh, Pacers were looking for. So... Uh, then we get to the Charlotte situation. Now, we don't know if Danny Ainge and the Pacers cut contact when um, Charlotte offered their contract. We don't know if the Celtics and the Pacers were still in talks to get some sort of a deal done. It looked like the Pacers were going to offer $100 million over four years. Maybe they were still talking when the Charlotte Hornets put their big-time offer up there of $120 million over four years. And... At that point, Hayward was like, I love Indy, but I'm getting all this money. I'm going to take it in Charlotte. So maybe the Celtics were still talking to Indiana when Gordon Hayward said he was going to Charlotte and signing there. So we don't know, and maybe we'll never know. Only Danny Ainge and the Indiana Pacers and Gordon Hayward and all these uh, inside factors would know the situation. So we don't know, per se, if Gordon Hayward just happened to sign this while they're still discussing the Indiana stuff, or... The Celtics cut contact with Indiana or vice versa. And then Hayward said, yeah, this Indiana thing is not working. I'm looking for another deal. So now we have Charlotte, $120 million, four years. And it seemed like at first the Celtics were just going to get Hayward going to Charlotte. And the Charlotte Hornets were going to wave and stretch Nicholas Batum. So he would be making $9 million over three years rather than $27 million for one year. Which would be enough for the... Charlotte Hornets to just say, we'll cut our losses there and sign Gordon Hayward. Now, it seems like things are changing, and it seems like there's still a wink and opening that the Celtics can get something from a sign-and-trade situation with Hayward going to the Charlotte Hornets. Now, there are rumors saying that the Celtics are going to get a trade exception, and where we are at right now is Nicholas Batum is going to get traded somewhere else and then the Celtics or the Hornets or both will have to give up assets to the other team to take on Nicholas Batum and the I think hurdle at this point is a what 
team is going to be involved. And if there is a team already involved, then I guess the hurdle is who's going to give up assets to go along with Nicholas Batum to make this work. OKC has about $27 million in a trade exception from the Steven Adams deal. We all know Sam Presti loves his draft picks. And so I believe if I'm a betting man, Oklahoma City is going to be the team that takes on Batum. I think the only reason we haven't heard anything on the Hayward front is because the Celtics and Charlotte and the um, OKC Thunder are trying to figure out who is going to give up what and how it's going to be involved. So maybe the Celtics are going to have to give up a first-round pick. Maybe the Celtics give up a second-round pick. Maybe Charlotte gets involved. In my opinion, I believe the Celtics and the Hornets are going to give some sort of assets up. Most likely draft picks. So the Celtics are going to get some sort of $28 million trade exception. Gordon Hayward goes to Charlotte. And then Nicholas Batum and draft picks will probably end up with Sam Presti and OKC. Or if there's another team out there, maybe the Knicks. Uh, most of the NBA teams out there don't have the cap space to take on Batum. And if they do, they don't want to spend it on him. Like Miami or Toronto, they don't want to spend it on Batum because they want to save it for next year's free agency. So... You know, I think that's, you know, they're going to have to look at um, all situations. And then OKC, like I said, has the, the best chance of getting it done because of the trade exception from Steven Adams. And so they can absorb Batum into there and then take some draft picks. I think the Celtics will offer a second round pick. I think, um, you know, Charlotte will offer a second round pick. Maybe the Celtics will have to add another second round pick into this. So you might see Batum going to... OKC and two second round picks from Boston and one from Charlotte because the Celtics want to get something out of this so they have to give up a second round pick and I think uh, Charlotte getting rid of Batum rather than stretching and waving or whatever they have to give up a second round pick as well to make that happen the other thing the Celtics um, could be trying to work out in this sort of situation is the contract itself and so the way the contract usually goes is it'll be, you know, let's just say $28 million to start. And then over time, it will go up. So um, by the end, it'll be like $33 million, um, in total salary. Um, what the Celtics might try and do is see if um, the contract can be structured where the biggest amount of money, let's just say $33 million, is at the beginning, year number one. And then over time, it goes down significantly till it gets to, I believe it's around like $28 million. So flip-flopping how it is usually, just so the Celtics can get a much bigger trade exception. And if they're trying to go after someone like James Harden or someone who is a much bigger contract, then that would be a lot better for them as well. Um, and so for the Celtics, maybe that's one of the reasons that this sort of situation is taking place. And so maybe the Charlotte Hornets are kind of talking to Boston about that, seeing if they can try and hammer down the, the contract itself, if the Celtics will get the bigger $33 million in the first year, and then it'll go down by 5% every year, because that's how it works. It goes up by 5% or down, depending on the contract. You know, So they can figure that out, and that might be why it's held up a little bit. And so I think, you know, Gordon Hayward obviously going to um, the Charlotte Hornets is a tough blow for the Celtics. And um, if the Boston Celtics 
are in some way, shape, or form getting a sign-and-trade situation to work out, then that would be very good for the Celtics um, because they get something back. And that means that they, in some way, can still salvage this situation. And so as much as, um, you know, the Celtics really, really want to, um, you know, wanted to trade Gordon Hayward and get a lot of assets back, this is the best they can do because Hayward's gone and it seems like, um, you know, the Celtics um, kind of missed on this one. But I do think getting the trade exception will help them because down when it comes time to uh, go to the trade deadline, maybe the Celtics will get something in terms of a trade piece um, using that trade exception. So they can trade for a bigger contract. Maybe down the line, Bradley Beal becomes available. Um, although the most recent rumors um, are that Russell Westbrook for John Wall was something that is proposed. Um, and it seems like Bradley Beal is behind the whole thing because he wants, obviously, to stay in Washington. But if his situation changes, then maybe the Celtics can get in on him or any of the number of free agents next year who will be one-year contracts, maybe the Celtics get in on them and then sign them long-term. Giannis is a tough one to to get, but if they want to see if something goes um, in the right direction, maybe they can use a trade exception on Giannis or you know someone else um, who could be available, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, etc. Um, so getting this trade exception would be the greatest thing. Now, switching gears just for a second and looking at the whole uh, situation involving Hayward and also Al Horford and Kyrie and whatnot, those are three big you know, NBA players with all-star game experience who have left the Celtics after um, a lot of people expected them to come back. Kyrie said at the beginning of um, the season, uh, I think it was 2018-2019 season, Oh, yeah, I'm coming back. If the Celtics want me, I'm coming back. And he said that in front of fans, in front of Danny Ainge and everyone. And then we get the situation at the All-Star game where he's like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. And then he leaves and goes to Brooklyn with Kevin Durant. And we did get Kemba, which was good. But then we hear Al Horford wants to opt out and sign long-term somewhere. Okay, Boston might be the spot. But no, he goes to the 76ers, and he doesn't want to be here. Then we get now Gordon Hayward, who does the exact same thing. So is there something going on in the NBA where the Celtics aren't the place to be? Is there something going on in this world where maybe Danny Ainge has a bad rep going at this point, and a lot of people might not want to be here anymore? Because Danny Ainge is the type of guy who makes amazing trades, but he also can't do trades if they benefit both sides. Most of, if not all, the trades he's made, the big ones at least, benefit the Celtics more so than the other team, and they win convincingly every single deal. Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, the Brooklyn deal, just they win. And maybe other teams and other players don't want to, you know, go there, and maybe, you know, they feel like, you know, Danny Ainge, they don't want to make trades with him because he always asks for more than he should. And it, maybe Danny Ainge doesn't want to just do a deal that's 
uh, an even split. He wants something where the Celtics benefit by a million uh, and they get much better compared to the other side. And that might be a problem. And there is also the problem which came with the Isaiah Thomas trade where a lot of people might feel like Danny Ainge and the Celtics don't care about the players. They're just contracts and maybe they're easily movable pieces and they look back at how Isaiah Thomas was such a driving force during the playoffs and he lost his sister and he was just playing through it and was just a big force in Boston and was almost an MVP and was an all-star and then he gets traded for Kyrie. Now let's be real, Kyrie Irving will to this day and always to this day will be a better point guard than Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas had one great year in Boston even though he was beloved in his whole Boston tenure. Kyrie Irving is an all-star, has won a championship, has the pedigree that if an offer comes up where Kyrie's available, you have to take that. And so, yes, Isaiah Thomas was hurt. And yes, there are probably people around the league who are hurt about the fact that Isaiah Thomas got traded. But let's be real here. He averaged like 12 points with Phoenix and with the Kings and was basically a role player and was traded for Marcus Thornton in a first-round pick, which um, he wasn't a superstar. And he came to Boston and, and had a great season and had a great tenure and had a great head coach who kind of might be the reason why he was as good as he was. And then look what happened. He played with Cleveland, Los Angeles, Denver, Washington. He moved around and is no longer in the league. So let's be real. Isaiah Thomas is not some superstar player. He had one great season. And so... I loved what Isaiah Thomas did for Boston, and um, he's a great, you know, Boston figure during that time period. But when Kyrie comes up, or if a big-time player comes up and you can make a trade, you have to do it. I mean, the Celtics, in the end, didn't want to pay Isaiah Thomas what he was going to probably ask for, which was a max contract. And looking at it today, he's not worth a max contract. So the Celtics did what they felt was best, and... Unfortunately for uh, Isaiah Thomas, he got traded. And I know Anthony Davis said when he was on the trading block, he didn't want to go to Boston because of the way they treated Isaiah Thomas. But if the Celtics actually did trade for him and they did make it to the finals or win a championship, that would all change. And so the Celtics had to do what they thought was best with Isaiah Thomas. Danny Ainge had to do what's best with his situation. And so let's be real. The Celtics treat a lot of their players with the utmost respect. Kendrick Perkins, Rondo, Pierce, Garnett. I mean, they're treating Tatum and Brown uh, and Marcus Smart so well. I mean, those are great guys. And, you know, they treated Doc Rivers or Danny Ainge treated Doc Rivers with a lot of respect as a head coach. And um, Danny Ainge looks at Brad Stevens very highly. And so the Celtics definitely give their superstars and their, you know, beloved players to respect and treat them very well. So, you know, Isaiah Thomas was a great player in Boston, but again, he got hurt. He was asking for max money. He was a short guard who had a lot of issues on defense. And so for all the people who say, oh, they shouldn't have traded Isaiah Thomas, that's a bad look. You know, he gave so much to this team. This was the first team where they actually cared about Isaiah Thomas enough to give him a shot. 
because Phoenix and Sacramento looked at him as a role player. There was Gordon Drogic, Eric Bledsoe, and Isaiah Thomas in Phoenix, all which were point guards. And you, I can say today that Gordon Drogic is a lot better than Isaiah Thomas. And I can say that Eric Bledsoe is still playing in the league, and I think on defense is better than Isaiah Thomas, not on offense. But still, you have that whole situation already. So, you know, I think Danny Ainge is a great general manager, and I think he maybe around the league is seen as someone who tries to take advantage of a lot of teams with trades and stuff because he does so well, which might hurt his chances at getting a trade done in the future. But the Celtics can find ways. You know, they get draft picks. They know what they're doing in that department with Tatum Brown, Marcus Smart. And so I think, you know, the Gordon Hayward situation was a tough one. But let's be real here. If Gordon Hayward didn't opt out of his trade, uh, his contract player uh, option, then he probably would have got traded. The Celtics would have probably moved him. And he was probably just looking out for himself, which is good for him. And he got his money. I think Charlotte overpaid, but, you know, he's going to be, you know, part of their future. And the Celtics might actually get better off because if the Celtics can't get a trade exception for $28, $30 million and then turn that around and trade for someone down the line who can be a player that helps them a lot more, then this is going to be a better situation. Plus, we added Jeff Teague who's a good role player. We added Tristan Thompson, who's a great defensive center and has championship experience, bring that with him. The Celtics upgraded pretty much everywhere they needed to. They added a center, which they needed. They added a backup point guard, which they got. They added three-point shooting, which they got. The Celtics upgraded in every fashion. And say what you will about their team, they did everything right, and they are looking at this like we don't want to pay Gordon Hayward 120 million over four years. We are fine having him walk, and if we can get a trade exception, that's great. You know, the Celtics didn't want to trade for Miles Turner because they wanted to have the open uh, availability to go down there and get someone uh, who can help them with this trade exception or with the Hayward contract. And so maybe they already knew Tristan Thompson was coming in, and they're like, why would we pay $17 million for Miles Turner when we can get someone like Tristan Thompson who's $9 million? And let's be real, the Celtics don't need Tristan Thompson to shoot the basketball and score the basketball and shoot threes because they have Tatum and Brown and Kemba in their bench, and Marcus Smart can take shots. They don't need someone like Tristan Thompson to do that. They need a big man who can defend Bam Adebayo and Joel Embiid and someone who can catch rebounds and block shots. And that's what Tristan Thompson does. You don't need him to do the other stuff because you have everyone else to do it. So they weren't going to spend money on Miles Turner when they could just get someone for half the price. And he does a lot of the same stuff. And so I think the Celtics, they'll figure it out. Uh, I think the trade exception is a pretty... Uh, important thing if they can get that and if you have to give up an extra second round pick in the end of it it's not a big deal I think you know when the season starts the Celtics are going to look a lot better and all those people who said the Celtics their offseason wasn't as eventful as it should have been and they lost Gordon Hayward I think you know it's not going to be a big deal and I think maybe down the line two three years from now Charlotte might be um, a little upset that they overpaid for Gordon Hayward when he has another injury and it really causes problems in his uh, NBA career, or he just doesn't play at a level everyone expected. 
you know, Danny Ainge makes um, great moves, and uh, Brad Stevens makes players better. And so if Gordon Hayward goes to another situation and he goes to Charlotte and doesn't play as well, eh, well, it's not our problem anymore. So I think personally the Celtics um, made the right move. It might be a tough move, but if they can get a trade exception out of this Gordon Hayward situation and then come trade deadline or even next offseason, they trade for a player who can help them, who makes $28 million, $30 million, then the Celtics will be pretty uh, set up. And so, you know, there are a lot of um, things they could have done this offseason, but I think they did uh, a lot of things right. And say what you will about how the draft picks were not moved or how they didn't make any big trades, I think they did okay. And so I'm not too upset about what uh, ended up taking place. And whenever this Gordon Hayward uh, sign-in trade gets um, approved and we get a sign-in trade in, um, you know, actuality, then it'll be good. I think Gordon Hayward's going to have a good time in Charlotte, and he's making money, if anything else. So, you know, Charlotte's made a lot of mistakes in their uh, tenure, and they've signed players when they shouldn't have, and so maybe this is one of those cases. But a lot of teams out there weren't willing to pay $120 million. Or at least if the Pacers were only willing to offer $100 million over four years, which sounds reasonable, who knows what other teams were going to offer. So I think the Celtics will be all right.